Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. I have back on my show, The Patriot Parents. The last time they were on was July 18th with mom, July 23rd with dad, and on September 20th with both Patriot Parents, season three, episode 111. We're going to talk today with them about fraud on the court and typical Texas fear tactics. And I welcome you both back to the show, Patriot Parents. How are you? Uh, On cloud nine right now. Yeah. Well, good news is rare. (laughs) Uh, Yes, especially in a kangaroo court. Uh, So far throughout this case, I've been uh told to take a plea bargain which was not reasonable uh if everyone's been following uh plea bargain because they were offering me three years deferred adjudicative probation so uh for anyone who doesn't know what deferred adjudicative probation is you're doing uh probation for a certain amount of time that's agreed upon and the conditions of that probation are decided on the side. Um, but deferred adjudicated means that you agree to plead guilty or whatever they ask you to do. And you do that probation and the adjudication is deferred so that when you complete your probation, it's like nothing ever happened. But I had to really weigh that Mm -hmm. Uh, the prosecution knows about the sexual abuse allegations. I had to feel that one of the conditions they would put on that is that I would have to sign up as a sex offender and I'm not going to lie to the court. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to commit myself. Mm -hmm. So I opted to stand my ground Mm -hmm. and, uh, hold on to my innocence. And even then I opted to go pro se because me and my attorney had, uh, pretty much a big disagreement. And I think, uh, Patriot mom will elaborate on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I told him, Hey, look, I don't want you no more. So mm-hmm. he put in a motion for withdrawal. We had, a uh, hearing actually this last Friday and <laughs> let, let's just say one of the fear tactics judges will use uh, is they will scare the ever loving, you know, everything. Daylight. Out of- Daylight. Yeah. And, and they did, they, they scared me beyond all my reasoning. I couldn't think. And uh, what the judge did was ask me multiple questions. Uh, pretty much, do you know rules of evidence? Do you know how to select a jury? Do you know criminal procedure? On and on and on like that. And I said, no. He turned around and said, well, I'm going to judge you incompetent. You can still represent yourself, but just understand you're more than likely walking yourself uh, into a fate that you may not want. Uh, but that would be his dis- that would be his choice that would be how he operates the courtroom yes you know that 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 has nothing to do with how you represent yourself that has to do with how he operates the courtroom yes and ultimately judges uh their sole purpose is to make sure the law is applied and followed in their courtrooms uh unless you go for a bench trial they cannot uh adjudicate for a jury unless it's obvious that you're innocent but they cannot deem you obviously guilty if a uh jury deems you guilty mm-hmm. so so there's a little bit of wiggle room there uh but we'll uh, leave that uh for the law books because <laughs> i don't know exactly how that works but go ahead uh but yeah he, he worked me into uh, keeping my attorney by after I signed the waiver and everything to go pro se, he turned around and said, 
the trial is still November 7th. That would have only given me two weeks to prepare. And there's like 2,300 uh, pages of some records. There's like 1,700 of other records. Then I got audio. I got video. But, uh, I, I mean, it was a mess. There was no way a normal person would be able to get all through that, go to work, and be prepared to go to trial and defend themselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it, w- it would have been an unfair trial period. So I opted to keep my attorney. Mm-hmm. And um, I just recently uh, went and viewed some of the evidence and saw what my attorney was talking about and what my PI was talking about. So I told him, hey, look, nope, I'm going to stand my ground. I see what you're talking about. We can impeach a few. Uh, there's a few that could be dangerous, but I said, no, I'm going to stand my ground. And lo and behold, they move the trial to a later date. So it looks like I might have probably called their bluff on something. Now, what date are they giving you? Uh, it was November 7th. Now it's uh, January 9th of 2019, uh, 2023. Even still, I mean, this is terrible what they're doing to you. Yes, it, it, it's horrific. Um, and there's been a lot of fraud, uh, let's just say with the prosecution, they know that our children have been with my, one of my main accusers for the past three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And they're still wanting to call them in for a testimony. And, And I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, that's a fraud because now you've got Whatever the accuser are leaving out the most important part. They said that they were going to bring in coaches so that they could coach the kids as to what to say during the trial. And they want to coach the kids in the best interest or whatever of the state. So they're going to tell the kids what to say. And that's pretty much the same thing that the caseworker did. Because when I had my private meeting with my child on April 9th, Um, of 2020 she said mommy I need to tell you something the caseworker promised we could come home okay well and that's when the wheels in my head started turning and I was like okay did she say if you tell your mommy this you could come home I mean this is what I'm thinking in my head if if she tells you to say this and you say it that's how you're going to get to come home so that's why you're saying it is because she's telling you you'll be able to come home Yes. So, so, so that, that took, took out to, excuse me, I don't know what that was. That, to me, that took out the entire credibility of the caseworker that the caseworker could have ever had. But what I've noticed here about Texas is, you know, I got to say, Texas, in my opinion, and in my perception is not a constitutional state. They like to tout that they're constitutional, but the only constitutional right I see being protected by any means or any definition of the word is the second amendment. But Mm -hmm. our freedom of speech, we get retaliated against. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about how, um, we went through that during our uh, civil mm-hmm. case. We went public during our civil case. And we did an interview with the, um, I forget what it's called, um, the reality series on Facebook. And until they saw that interview, they supposedly had no intention of terminating my rights. But then when they saw that we went public, that's when the tables turned and they decided they were going to terminate my rights. And the ad litem litem in our case, um, she she wrote up a, I don't know, would it have been called a settlement or whatever, but uh, she wrote up a settlement that said, if you sign over your rights, we won't attack your wife's. Well, that's extortion. Mm -hmm. And he refused to sign it. 
and he he's been trying to get in contact with his former attorney to request that document no response whatsoever and he he's mandated by law to give him whatever he requests from his case be it the whole the whole gambit or piece by piece he's he's required by law and he's denied that to my husband and then we we found out too that his husband uh, his attorney has been talking to his former attorney which um I don't know if that violates anything, but I would assume it violates attorney client privilege. And um, apparently his old attorney said he's not going to win and he's not going to get his kids back. You know, I mean, we gave this man so much evidence. We gave him not just our daughter's video, but another video um, that is very several other videos that are very concerning. We gave him, you know, documentation and things, and he only showed one piece of our evidence. You know, he only showed one piece of our evidence during the trial. And that's terrible. You know, yeah, this it's it's just been it's just been horrible. This is this is how they treat. This is how Texas treats its citizens. You know. And I think that it's wrong. And I think that, you know, to, to, for anybody who's in a position that can help to tell somebody there's nothing we can do, you know, when you hear about corruption like this, it, it, if it were me and I heard about corruption like this, you know, I would find a way to help without quote breaking the rules you mm-hmm. know i would find the way to find a way to help somebody because nobody should go through this i don't care who you are you should never have to go through something like this and you know what is justice these days you know that justice is not defined as it was once it doesn't exist anymore no Mm-mm. no in, in fact Go ahead. Oh, I thought I was going to say there might be a shred of justice, but I don't know where that's at. Yeah, there there is a shred of justice, but it, it in my definition, it's more of a hope or a pipe dream, because these people have. Uh, I guess the best way I could put it is, if the courts were pretty much set back to how it was in, I'll say the nineties. I would feel parents would fare far better than they do now because these uh, people have been in practice for so long. They know the ins, they know the outs, and they know what they can get away with, such as uh, in civil court. uh, And I believe it was that attorney that was on with you last uh, where they will... uh, adjudicate on criminal allegations in a civil setting Mm -hmm. and and once they win that they'll turn around and uh push for a conviction yeah but that's a that's a jurisdictional issue you cannot try criminal proceedings in a civil in a civil case a civil court yes that's exactly it um once you have criminal allegations, there must be charges, there must be an indictment, and there must be a trial. And that does not happen. Mm-hmm. Now the civil court are running rogue mm-hmm. and these criminal allegations to terminate parental rights and putting the cart before the horse. So ultimately, I mean, I, I feel the federal government needs to step in and start setting some boundaries for these civil courts, as well as the, the criminal courts on uh, what they can adjudicate and what grounds specifically they can terminate parental rights on. Because, uh, I mean, parental rights, you know, you, you got to really be a horrible parent for that to actually happen. Mm-hmm. Just like the Family First Act, you you cannot remove a child 
as the first action to uh, fix things. You got to do whatever you can to avoid that because we all, everybody who actually is reasonable mm-hmm. knows that removing a child already does significant damage to the, the child's uh, brain. Mm-hmm. And, and it's proven scientific fact. It causes PTSD. It causes trauma. It can stunt the learning. It can stunt the growth. It, it's, I, I mean, there's so many things that can happen to the child just upon removal. And then I you think, put. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought that go. tiny minimal pause was, <laughs> was uh, an opportunity to say something. Do you want me to m- no, mute myself again so you can finish or. Uh, no, go ahead. Okay. I think one thing we need to talk about is what we were talking about yesterday. There are three people who are leaving the DFPS. Uh, And I guess some of them, I guess all three of them have some really big titles and stuff. One of them is leaving because she, she basically said DFPS stands for Department of Family Protective Services. But we're not protecting the family, you know, mm. and she was harangued for that. You were telling me about that yesterday. Uh, yes, uh, that, that is a fact. Uh, DFPS, uh, as their name states, is Department of Family and Protective Services. But all they do through action is they take children, lie about it, terminate parental rights, and then adopt them out to people whom these children don't feel safe with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and it's very common. I mean, we could put it down to numbers even. The commissioner for DFPS actually testified earlier this year in front of the uh, state Senate committee And she said, there are only 2,500 children in the foster care system. Well, okay, if we take her word for it, yeah, that sounds great. It sounds like, okay, they're doing a decent job. They're actually weeding things through and figuring out, okay, these children had to be removed because they were in such a situation that necessitated it. But if you really dig... And that goes for any state. You really dig. You follow the numbers. You will see that's not the case. Mm -hmm. The real case is in Texas, there's 40,000 children in the foster care system. There's about 1,200, last number I've I've found, 1,200 that they have lost and have not recovered. There's 136, last I've heard, children that have perished. Mm -hmm in the foster system under DFPS watch. So if we really look at an agency through its numbers, you can see that DFPS CPS in general is a rogue agency Mm -hmm. violating the constitutional rights of the people, violating the constitutional rights of the children and thus violating many laws and must be shut down i agree i agree they need to be shut down or you know 100 percent investigated from the inside out and what needs to happen is if they're going to be investigated oh and audited Mm -hmm. they need to be investigated and audited by an entirely neutral party a party that is not going to get anything out of um, out of investigating DFPS specifically. You know, of course, they're going to get paid to do an investigation, but they're not going to be paid by DFPS. Mm-hmm. You know, and one thing we forgot to mention is um, we are exercising our rights under the Whistleblower Protection Act as the as well as the First Amendment. So anything that we expose or say. Um, on this interview is to be protected under the Whistleblower Act and the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. And um, 
there can be no retaliation for anybody going public and asking for help. And that's the other thing we're doing is we're going public and we're asking for help because we're hoping that our story <clears throat> will reach the right ears and somebody who will actually help us because my husband is being completely railroaded. Even I'm being completely railroaded. <clears throat> Excuse me. His attorney verbally assaulted me in his office because I had said um, something was mentioned and I said, of course, it's going that way. They pay, they buy off their judges, their attorneys. I've heard from other parents that, you know, even juries have been bought off, mm -hmm. you know, and um, he put his finger in my face and he said, if you're accusing me of being bought off, you can leave my office right now or get out of my office right now. Then um, when, cause we were in his office having an interview with my husband and his parents, it wasn't, it was an over the phone interview with his parents, but we were all in the interview together in this attorney's office. And this attorney told my, my father-in-law that, uh, my husband refused to view the evidence. Well, that is absolutely and 100% false because he has emails showing every time he asked to view the evidence saying, you know, how can we prepare a, pop a proper defense or how can I advise you on how to defend me or represent me if I don't know the evidence? Mm -hmm. And then um, while we were in his office, he said, um, he, oh gosh, my brain just drew a blank because two thoughts came in at once. Um, jump in. Well, there was one other thing. Oh, uh, he does. Uh, my husband decided he wanted to fight. He said, you know, something doesn't feel right and I want to fight. And the attorney said, well, I think that's a, a, a big mistake, but it's your life. But understand, if we fight, we're going to do it my way. And this is after he had already said that he does not allow his clients to micromanage him. Mm -hmm. And then he perjured himself to the court on Friday because the judge asked my husband, have you seen the evidence? And he said, well, it's to my understanding that I was barred. And he just kind of dismissed that, didn't even pay any attention to what he said. And the he asked the attorney and the attorney said, no, your honor, he's refused. That's an outright lie. Oh. Yes, that, that right there is brought upon the court. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it was crazy how that situation came up because... He, uh, he, it was after I decided to retain my attorney and he looked at me and said, do you understand the charges against you? I said, I understand the charges, but I don't understand the nature. Mm -hmm. And there, there's a very literal and, and thin line between that. You can understand the charges because the charges are clear cut. I mean, like for me, injury to a child. That's pretty much self-definition right there. But what you need to know is the nature of the charge. What evidence they're going to bring against you. That is the nature of the charge. And when I told him that, he was flabbergasted. Like, how do you know the charges but not know the nature? Mm -hmm. Well, it's very easy. You barred me from seeing the evidence against me, as is my Sixth Amendment right. And now you turn to my attorney and act as if you never barred me. That is a fraud upon the court by the judge. And my attorney saying that I refused is fraud upon the court by my attorney. So they're weaseling them. <laughs> they're actually working against themselves right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why they, uh, reset this trial is because they might have realized that and said, okay, we got to come up with a different tactic, mm. but who knows? I'm not there <laughs> when they should just be disbarred. They should be. Yeah. Uh, I 100% agree. They should be disbarred. And this case should be dismissed with prejudice because I mean, just the fact that they are willing to even exercise uh, bringing in coaches for our children to make sure 
they stay on task or to bring them back up to speed with what they said before. I'm not offered that. None of the other witnesses are offered that uh, unless it's like the caseworker who, who can work off of her notes from way back in 2019. Um, but no other witnesses are able to prepare except for with their own mental aptitude. So why do they need to bring in coaches that could just very well tamper with their testimony? And, and that's exactly it. That That is worth uh, consideration for anybody who's listening. You got to pay attention to what they're doing. If they say, oh, yes, we're going to bring in coaches for your children to remember what they said three mm -hmm. years ago. That's tampering with a witness. That mm -hmm. is grounds for a dismissal. Because that is, i.e., fraud upon the court. Mm -hmm. This whole thing is fraud upon the court. Because if we understand the, the rules of evidence or the rules that pertain to criminal procedure, is if, if a judge orders either side, whether it's the defense or the prosecution, to submit discovery, who whatever party is ordered to submit discovery has 180 days to do so, and they're allotted one extension. However, this judge gave prosecution 11 months and five extensions now. We're up to five extensions. So mm. if, if I'm correct... You know, this whole thing, it, it's got a predetermined outcome. They already know how they're going to rule. They're just using a jury and the court to give the guise of justice. You know, and, and yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to kind of blur the lines uh, between civil and criminal uh, on this just just for a second. So if you really look at civil uh, courts, when one side requests discovery, I have never seen it take more than maybe a couple of weeks to maybe a month, month and a half. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yet in this criminal case, it took over a year because we'll, we'll, we'll put it this way. My indictment was in... June of 2020, we didn't have our first hearing until January of 2021. Nothing happened. It was pretty much radio silence. And then January's hearing, they, at that point, I was barred from viewing any of the evidence. And my attorney put in a request for discovery. We'll fast forward to May. Uh, he got a court order for discovery to compel the DFPS and the prosecution to get that discovery for us. By this time, the clock has been ticking for about a year, mm -hmm. almost. Um, and I started asking my attorney, hey, uh, <laughs> Can, can we get a dismissal? They haven't provided it yet. And he said, oh, it, it takes some time. He said six to nine months because they're slow. They're backed up. And I said, they're, they're, that's their problem, not mine. Mm -hmm. If they want me, you know, produce it. So to give, to give some calculation on how long 180 days is, approximately six months. Mm -hmm. Well, we're, we're well past that. No. Yeah. So we'll we'll fast forward to when we actually got discovery, which was April of this year. Now that's pushing almost two years without discovery. Oh. Since since the indictment, which I'll I'll call that the start of the case right there. Indictment to when we got discovery was almost two full years. And then to set a trial date for November 7th, and you got four 
pre-trials in between? Like, come on. Yeah. There, there's got to be a point. There's got to be a line drawn in that sand where you say, as a judge, we'll, we'll put the responsibility on him because he's the one in charge of it. Mm -hmm. He's got to draw that line in the sand where, okay, this case has been on the docket for two years. Granted, we had COVID. Look, we got we got to get this moving. You either produce it now or I dismiss the case mm -hmm. on cause. And this judge, even though he's new, should have known that. Mm -hmm. He's got the power. Because, you know, this this can happen to anyone. Anyone can be falsely accused of anything has happened to me. It's happened to other people I've interviewed. You know, anyone can make up any allegation of child abuse that they want. And the oh, issue yeah. is <clears throat> we've spoken to a lot of dads out here in Texas and some of them, you know, they're no longer involved with CPS. Some of them lost their kids. Some of them uh, voluntarily signed over their rights, which is really sad because mm -hmm. they felt like that's the only thing they could do. Um, but here in Texas, and we have we have heard that false allegations of the caliber of those of which have been pl placed on my husband are very common out here. You've got angry exes. You've got angry mothers-in-law, angry sisters, angry best friends, angry neighbors. You know, I mean, the problem is, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. And if it upsets anybody, it's my apologies. But you have to understand this is something that we have really, really thought about. It is not just the government who has weaponized CPS against the people. It is the people themselves who have weaponized CPS against the people. Because if you have an angry neighbor who doesn't like that your tree is an inch above is an inch over their property line, and you know, for some reason you can't get to, to it in in their time frame, and you have kids, well, they are. You know, you've got some cases where a neighbor will get so angry, they'll just call CPS and place allegations on you. But the issue is, see, what what makes that even worse <clears throat> is that the people who are calling, they don't understand that CPS will just run with any allegation and mm -hmm. then they will keep it going and they will feed that allegation and and they won't even talk to the to the parents or or the children. I mean, it, like like the caseworker who who took our kids, um, my daughter, she said, how did you get those scratches or something like that? Mm -hmm. And my daughter said, oh, it was the dogs. The dogs were doing this and they did this and they did that. And she said, oh, he did. He did. Yes. You know? And my daughter said, yeah. So she she did like a little manipulative mind thing. And this is a six-year-old little child. She just turned six years old. She's not going to pick up on that persuasive coercion. She's not going to pick up on that. You know, she's not going to pick up on, no, it was they, not him, they. So from the very get-go, our kids have been coached and coerced. And there's a reason that my mother has alienated our children from um, everybody we know. It's because <clears throat> she knows my husband is innocent. She knows he didn't do any of these things. She knows it mm -hmm. because she's the one who's making these false allegations. But that's why she's alienating our children from everybody that we know is because the children will say, well, she said this to me and she said that to me. Like my my daughter told my in-laws when they, the last time they got to visit her, um, they were talking about their accuser and, and um, that's my mother. And they went to my mother-in-law and said, you know, 
Grandma said it's her house or the foster home. <gasps> yep. Yeah. Yep. So right oh out the gate. God. Yeah, right out the gate when uh, my mother-in-law uh, got the children, she already began to manipulate them. Mm-hmm. And and there was even a point where my parents had a visitation where uh, they asked our eldest daughter about uh, mommy and daddy. And she said, oh, yeah, I miss mommy, but uh, I don't miss daddy. And they asked her why. And she literally said, I don't trust daddy. He has earned my trust. And oh. yeah, it, it, it's crazy. And when my mom said, that's weird, who who told you this? Where'd you learn this from? And she said, oh, Gammy. There so it is. She, so, so they're parroting mm-hmm. exactly what her mother has told them. And yeah, it's true. Children are very impressionable. They're, they're sponges mm-hmm. until about the age of 10 where they can actually start but Learning. that's why they're targeted. That's mm-hmm. why that's why everybody's children are unsafe. And that's not to sound doom and gloom to any parents, but it's the truth. It is. If you have if you have a weaponized department who now let me ask you this Marianne. If there is an agency or a department that is sworn to protect children and sworn uh, to, you know, uh, make sure that the rights are not violated and all this and all that. And, and but they are charged with removing children from a um, abusive home. Why does it need to be incentivized? Right. Um, you know, if children are needing needing to be removed from a, we'll say, physically or sexually abusive home. The police should be called, not CPS. Yes, yeah, CPS should be a secondary thing because, you know, let's be honest with ourselves here, people. Mm. Our taxpayer dollars are paying them, are going, are funding them. So what does that translate to? That translates to we pay them to take our children. We then, since our taxpayer dollars go to funding the courts, we pay them to railroad us in the court and to violate our rights. We pay them. It's our money mm-hmm. that is going to having our children stolen from us. So yes. we're basically paying we're basically paying money for them to enslave us. And torture us. And torture us. Oh, yeah. and, and let's put that back into numbers. Uh, and, and this is a, a factual number. CPS across the nation is a $53 billion a year racket. They are, in in all essence, bigger than the drug cartels of Mexico. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and quote uh, Senator Charles Perry. He said, why are we shelling out $1.3 million a month for a scam? And he also, uh, this was on March... 17th um this year at one of the hearings he called them a cartel and he is absolutely right because they are in the business of stealing and selling children i mean they even have a website like a web page with all the children that are up for adoption kind of like how ebay does theirs they'll have a picture of the item and then the selling points of the item Oh, or yeah. the humane society, how they do it with animals. Mm-hmm. That's, yes. <clears throat> That's so disgusting. It's so disgusting. It, it is. And I have perused those pages ever since our uh, rights were terminated, uh, at least up until we found out our children were adopted to uh, Patriot Mom's mother. And it drove me crazy seeing all these children, some with mental disabilities that seriously need the assistance of their parents because their parents are the only ones who understand that disability clearly Mm -hmm. and the needs of that child. 
And, and that's where best interests should not play a part in these civil court proceedings mm-hmm. because they can't, even, they can't even define best interest. Mm-hmm. They can't even define what best interest is, but we, the parents can best interest is just a blanket term that they use to be able to steal your children and, and terminate your rights. That's all best interest is. Yes. And, and I agree with uh, Marianne on the fact that if there is a situation that requires immediate removal that should only require police because they are the ones trained on how to de-escalate the situation. They are trained on how to handle threats and violence. CPS is not, Mm -hmm. but, but they will use police as a tool to strong arm you into giving them up when they deem a removal that yes, but to go in conjunction with that. I have seen several videos that parents have posted where CPS <clears throat> came with a police officer and you could see that the police officer could tell that this CPS worker was violating the parents' rights and that cop stayed silent. He said nothing. He did nothing. He or she Yes, and but I, th- I think that that is very telling because if if a person's rights are being violated here, you have a person who takes an oath to to protect and serve their community. But then you have another person who I don't know if they take an oath. I have to assume they take an oath, you know, but you have this person who it's been said time and time again. They do not properly train their caseworkers. Their mm-hmm. caseworkers are not experts. They go in based on trudged up allegations. They don't find out the history between the person who filed the report and the parents. They don't know if, hey, they don't go to look and see if, is this an angry spouse? Is this a belligerent neighbor? Um, <clears throat> if it's a teacher, what did the parents say that the teacher didn't like? You know, because it's getting more and more common now where teachers are retaliating against parents for parents who don't want their kids to be taught the crap Mm -hmm. that's being taught to kids in schools now. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I wouldn't want my children to be taught, you know, soft porn in middle school, in elementary school. I wouldn't want my teacher to, uh, my children to be taught, you know, um, what homosexual sex is whatever Mm -hmm. adult an adult does in their life all the power to you you know if you're a good person i don't care what you do if you're nice to me if you're nice to mine i don't care what you do you're good people with me whatever whatever your choices are they don't affect me but when they start getting in and and affecting my children we have a problem oh yeah well and and even then uh, and I hate to go back and backpedal to the police issue, but even some police are not qualified to handle situations such as this. Uh, there are videos. Yes. There You're are videos. Absolutely right about that. And I'm sorry to cut you off. I have spoken with a police officer, and they actually have a department set aside to be able to talk to children, to be able to be um, able to make those calls. A field officer can't, can't do that. I'm going off of conjunction, uh, going on conjunction with what you said, Patriot Dad. Don't send me question marks. (laughs) You're right, actually. Uh, And and there, there was a video that actually got me a little triggered where uh, this mother was uh in in a official building and there were two police officers around her and something catches her attention and takes her attention away for a split second and that police officer snatches her baby's carrier out of her arms oh i saw that yes yeah situations like that should not be happening the the officer's job is to de-escalate he should have just let that mother walk and go home, take care of her baby, because the baby was only uh, looked like days old. Mm -hmm. And just that snatch alone could have done damage 
to the baby. I mean, right. we've all heard of shaking, ba shaking baby syndrome. Mm -hmm. Just that snatch and the G-force from that snatch could have done a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. So what, what needs to be ha happening here is common sense law is, okay, did the parent actually commit this act? Okay, they did. Okay, was it wittingly or unwittingly? Okay, now let's find out, okay, how can we uh, help the parent not make this happen if it was unwittingly? If it was wittingly, okay, let's get the family together, get them into some sort of counseling, and see if we can fix this. If we cannot fix this, okay, then a removal would be necessary. Because, yes. because then probably that parent is unwilling or doesn't have the, and I hate to use this, but doesn't have the mental aptitude to fix that. Hold on. Let me cut you off. <clears throat> I do have to say that a mental disability does not determine whether someone is a good or a bad parent mm -hmm. because you, you have parents who have ADHD. Some parents could have autism. Some parents could have some other disabilities, but that does not, that is not a deciding factor on what determines them being a fit or an unfit parent. And I think that I think that just because a parent may or may not have a disability to judge them, and I'm not saying you are, I'm saying society yeah. these days, to judge yeah. them as unfit, mm -hmm. just solely based on a disability. That's both discrimination and yeah. that is, um, what is the other thing? Cruel and unusual punishment. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because yeah. what you're doing is, you're you're basically chastising the parent for something that they can't help and maybe the help wasn't out there for them what if they do have a disability but they're putting all their focus on their child so self-care and and help for themselves is secondary if yes. they're able to get everything that their child needs that's when they focus on themselves you know but well, but to, to judge a parent solely based on a disability i think that is absolutely disgusting mm -hmm. it is and, and I, i've seen that far too many times um and there's another uh tactic that cps loves to use and i i have utter disgust for this one so for those parents who have uh delved into recreational uh drugs uh, and, and that could be marijuana, heroin, whatever have you. If you have come clean and have been clean for, I would say, minimum five years. We'll say five years at the minimum. CPS will use that history to take your children away. Yeah. And that is disgusting. Mm -hmm. I have spoken. Uh, I, I can pull one right out of my head right now. I have spoken to a mother who uh, out of California did drugs and was arrested 12 years ago. She's been clean ever since. Now, granted, I have to take her word for that because I'm not in California, but, but yeah, let, it, well, she was clean for 12 years before she had her children. Yes. So, so let's assume that, yeah, she, she's 100% honest, mm -hmm. clean for 12 years, now having a baby CPS comes in, and takes her child off of her breast mm. from the delivery room and says, you're unfit to have a child and take care of them. And when she asks why, they say, oh, you are a drug user. Mm. That is wrong. You are it now would be more accurate for them to say you were a drug user, not you yeah. are. You know, yes. I mean, that's but, that's just, ugh, makes yeah, me but that's where. CPS deviates. Yes. They they will take a prior conviction. They will take a prior usage and use it against you as as I I don't know like the judge applying law. Basically, what they're doing is they're using something that is completely unrelated to their job as to why and their job description as to why and how and for what they can remove children. 
They are completely acting outside of the, their scope of duties and making a judgment call to remove a child, you know, based on something that happened over a decade ago, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, they, they have a habit of playing judge, jury, and executioner all in one go. Right, yeah. right. As they sit there on the witless stand, smiling and enjoying themselves, perjuring themselves. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And they won't even be prepared for that. Uh, our CPI, uh, she put into her notes uh, so many things, and it was misleading at best. And then when it came time for her to testify during our civil trial, she couldn't even remember anything that she put on her report. She was 100% unprepared. Mm-hmm. And the only thing she could grasp out of her head wasn't was not even on her report. She said, Oh, there was an open bag of bread on their counter and <laughs> nothing I else. Mean, I think that's so stupid. Like, mm-hmm. how does she know we didn't just make our kids some sandwiches? You know, I just think that to use that as a damning testimony is it- utterly, it's utter stupidity. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, okay, there was an open bag of bread on the counter. Uh I just made my kids peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So, and if my kids, maybe, maybe the, I mean, I could tell you there, we could have worked on structure, but we were the type of parents who, if it was lunchtime, but the kids were, you know, super, not hyper, but like really wanting to go play. You know, we were the type of parents who, okay, you want to go play in the backyard, even though I just made you sandwiches, go ahead, because they would be coming in and out, taking a bite of a sandwich and mm-hmm. then going back outside and playing there. To me, I'm not going to sit there and, and, you know, lord over my kids and say, no, you need to sit down. This is lunchtime. You need to sit down. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to be kids. I want them to have fun. I want them to enjoy childhood now granted too i was a very overprotective mother and there were a lot of things that our kids missed out on like my son wanted to climb the tree in the backyard Mm. and i said no and he said why i said because you could fall and you know you could get hurt you could break your head open you could do something i don't want i don't want you to climb that tree so yes he did miss out on some things but you know well, then if he would, if you let him climb the tree and he fell and broke his arm and you took him to the ER, then they'd be calling CPS on you anyway. Yes. That's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, because uh, what a lot of people don't know is that CPS has a network. They have a network of doctors, therapists, mm-hmm. teachers, and, and that's a big one. Teachers. Um Especially now, let me just bank on that, especially now with how society is. Yeah. And and thinking, um, because I know we're getting close to time. uh, One last thing I want to offer to uh, folks as a rock solid word of advice. Mm -hmm. If it comes down that you are facing a uh, termination trial uh, and your rights are on the line, your attorney will try to talk you out of a jury trial. Do not leave it up to a judge. For for all God's sake, for the sake of your children, for the sake of yourself, go for a jury trial because it's better and it, it, it's far better to convince a jury of 12 than to convince a judge that does not have your interest, the children's interest at heart, because yeah, remember the state's interest at heart. Yes. Because just like Texas and they testified to it during uh, one of the Senate committee meetings, DFPS pays its judges, they pay their attorneys and whatever extra money they have, they spread throughout their network of doctors, psychologists, therapists, and teachers. So, Lawyer up, get a jury. That's the only way you have a good chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I because I mean, you know, I know we have to kind of um, get off here, but okay. my thing is, I have no faith 
I love my country, but I have no faith in my country anymore. Mm-hmm. I have no faith in the justice system. I have no faith in our government. Mm-hmm. And as a mother and a wife, I really feel like our family is among the forgotten. Mm-hmm. Because for almost almost every day for three and a half years, I've been on the phone trying to report, trying to, um, you know... <laughs> I've contacted senators, congressmen, I've contract contacted a plethora of agencies, advocacy groups, you know, and here we are. I still feel like we're at square one. And I know for a fact, you know, and you'll have to forgive me, uh, Patriot Dad, because I know this is going to sound selfish and everybody else, I know this is going to sound selfish, but this goes out to all the mothers out there. Um, when when we have a good relationship with our husbands and we stand by our husbands and they continue to railroad our spouses in the kangaroo courts and then they end up carting them off to jail over crimes that they didn't commit, we mothers have already lost our children. And now we're losing our husband. Mm-hmm. And now we are just alone in the world. And, you know, I just, I can't. You know, it's it's terrible that your whole world can be lost on a false accusation. And it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And nobody does anything about it. You know, we are, are uh, we have been told so many times by our leaders that there is nothing they can do. Well, the Texas Constitution, Article 15, says otherwise. It's the impeachment article. And it says that the House and or the Senate can impeach a corrupt judge or a judge for operating improperly, which I'll send you that. Because I don't know if I have yet, but I will send you that. And if you want, we can link it to the podcast so that if there are any Texans who are listening, they can just pull it up right from the podcast. Now, how, how can people reach you? Um, our emails are still the same. Okay. Um, if people want to reach us via email. I know there have been a couple who have reached out to us before. Um we haven't been in much contact with them and I would like to just formally apologize to them over the airwaves. Um, please understand that we're, I'm not, we're not trying to avoid you or ignore you. Just if I'm being raw and transparent here, I have, I have times where I get really, I just don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's nothing against them, but um, I have also had to sort of reel myself back from the advocacy at the just at the moment because um, I'm hearing these cases; they break my heart. Mm-hmm. They break my heart. And then with all this stuff going on in our case, you know, there were a couple of things we didn't get to mention, but we only have two minutes. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, it's not you. Oh, it's us. the doorbell. We're so, we're so chatty. Gosh. <laughs> so, but um, if there's anybody out there who can hear us and who's listening, we really need help. We need somebody who who can help us and you know if there's anybody out there who is willing out of the kindness of their heart to help us and ensure that our rights are upheld and our children's rights are upheld and that these crimes that are happening in the court don't continue mm-hmm. we're asking that you please reach out and I'm going to tell you we do not have money to pay an astronomical retainer Mm-hmm. We do not have that. And that's why I ask if there's anybody who is willing to help out of the kindness of their heart, it, we'd be indebted to you. Mm-hmm. 
I'm so sorry you're going through this. And, you know, I'll keep you in my thoughts and prayers that this gets resolved and you get your children back where they belong to you. We believe that. Well, well, I'll tell you, our children will be so protected. Yes. You know, um, we've, I mean, this may sound silly to some, but we've talked about ways to um, better protect them. Like, let's say that they want to go to public schools. Well, if they want to go to public schools, we're going to find a way to get all three of them a bodyguard. And we're going to make sure that those bodyguards know parental rights and know children's rights. So that if if the kids are approached at any time, um, that or if they're approached by CPS at any time, this bodyguard will be able to say, nope, kick stones. Yeah, because you don't you don't have the parents permission to talk to their children and you don't have a warrant. So kick Mm -hmm. stones. Yeah. And and let me add one last thing. Uh, Once you deal with CPS, it doesn't matter if you win or if you lose. CPS will be in your life at another point just to say they want to check up on you. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, do not let them into your house without a warrant mm-hmm. because they need a warrant. That's your Fourth Amendment right. You know, we could also do what that one dad did, you know, and is my child property of the state? Am I property of the state? Well, no, but we have to do a checkup. No, you don't. You know? Mm-hmm. So... Oh, yeah. I'm so glad I had you both on and I'll have you on again for updates. Oh, for sure. You know, um, what they're putting you through is egregious, disgusting, and uh, I have no words. Yeah, these kangaroo courts are something else. Uh, And you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll tell everyone, you know. We all share your pain. We we understand. So you can call us. Uh, you can call me a brother in arms. Mm-hmm. You can call a uh, patriot mom a sister in arms. We're all family in this. If you need to, a shoulder to cry on, sure, we're here. Mm-hmm. Our our contact information will be out there. Mm-hmm. Um. Just remember. Also, don't be afraid to stand up. Yes. Uh, there's one thing that if if I could recommend, and I will uh, send it to Marianne so she can link it in the podcast. Mm-hmm. But there was a report that Tucker Carlson had done, and he was talking about, um, he was doing a report on the new newly elected Italian leader. I can't recall her name. Oh, yeah. But to me. Yeah, to me, she is absolutely phenomenal, mm-hmm. and um, she sta- she stands for God, family, and country. And in that report, he did um, he said, and I'm not trying to quote him verbatim because I, I don't I don't want to do that. So if he's listening, sorry if it's not verbatim. But uh, he basically said they know that the best way to enslave the people is to destroy the family. Mm-hmm. There's something that I want to read to everybody. Um, I and it's, it's not very long, but it's an excerpt from a book called Behold the Pale Horse, and it's a book by uh, William Cooper. <clears throat> it says, <clears throat> in order to achieve a totally predictable economy the low class elements of the society must be brought under control i.e must be housebroken trained and assigned a yoke and long-term social duties from a very early age before they have an opportunity to question the propriety of the matter in order to achieve such conformity listen to this the lower class family unit must be disintegrated by a process of increasing preoccupation of the parents and the establishment of government-operated daycare centers for the occupationally orphaned children. The quality of education given to the lower class must be of the poorest sort 
so that the moat of ignorance isolating the inferior class from the superior class is a remains uh, is and remains incomprehensible to the inferior class. With such an initial handicap, even bright lower class individuals have little, if any, hope of extricating themselves from their assigned lot in life. This form of slavery is essential to maintaining some measure of social order, peace, and tranquility from the ruling upper class. Mm-hmm. I know that that what that sounds like is that this person is 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 in support of that. No, what this person is doing is telling you how these how how these things are being done, and the one takeaway from all of this that everybody needs to understand is that regardless of whether you think this is a conspiracy or not, the best way to enslave the people is to destroy the families. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we are nothing without our children Mm -hmm. and we will do anything for our children. And they know that. And they don't care. And they don't care. 100%. Well, don't jump off, okay? Okay. Okay, Salam Miguel. This is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again in the future with Patriot Parents and other exciting guests. And I thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having us again, Marianne. Anytime, anytime.